Fundraising Everywhere podcast is kindly sponsored by our friends at Just Given. Now, one of the things that we love most about Just Given is that they believe that everyone deserves to be able to use the very best fundraising tech to raise more money. And that includes all charities, small and big, and anyone in the world that wants to make a difference for a cause they care about. And although they've been around for years, they're still as passionate as ever about creating cool new tech and are always releasing new features. Plus, the team's lush to work with and they really care about charities. Fundraising everywhere. 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 Welcome back to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast. Now, over the next few episodes, we're taking a look at some of our favourite legacy fundraising on-demand sessions in celebration of our legacy fundraising virtual conference coming up on the 15th of February. If you'd like to join us at the conference, you can use the promo code FEPODCAST to get 50% off your ticket. Yep, just head to our website and pop in FEPODCAST at checkout to get 50% off our legacy fundraising virtual conference in February. Enjoy today's session. I'm Caroline Donald. I work for UNICEF UK. And in 2022, we undertook a research project into high value donors and their legacy giving. We did this in partnership with Legacy Voice, fantastic legacy consultants. And I wanted to share some of our findings with you. So our research was carried out in three parts and it took place between June 2022 and January 2023. So it's very fresh. The first part was desk-based research. We pulled together research from existing studies and from existing academic studies that already exist in the sector. And we tried to put them together in one place to draw some conclusions. So we took in, took research from the high net worth individual sector and from the legacy sector to pull them together. We were trying to draw conclusions. What we did is pull out a lot more questions. Part two was interviews. We held them with academic experts, with fundraisers who are already doing this, with wealth advisors, and then with some of our supporters, both supporters who give major gifts at the moment and those who have included a gift in their will who perhaps have the capacity to give now but don't, and then some of our general um, legacy supporters as well. Part three, the consultant's legacy voice fed back all of the findings from those two stages of research to us to our whole philanthropy department to discuss. We went away and digested that and had a thought, and then we reconvened together and had two workshops with Legacy Voice. This covered our motivations for supporters to leave legacy gifts, both general supporters and major donors, drawing on the research and the specific interview findings. And we started to think about the tools that might be most appropriate and most applicable for UNICEF to use and how we might apply them in our work now and introduce them to our department. The second workshop covered internal barriers that we might be facing and things we might need to overcome generally and at UNICEF and how we might address these going forwards. So the research findings, we started with who are our high net worth individuals 
HNWI, for anyone not familiar with that acronym. There were lots of findings. We looked at the quantities of how many there were in the UK and in Europe and the demographics for them. The four most common connectors between managing wealth, people with wealth managing their wealth and giving to charity are aligning their investments with their giving goals, spending aligning with causes that are important to them, such as their spending now, like buying sustainable projects, increasing their wealth so they could give more, and then tax benefits and tax considerations, and that being a much higher priority for those who are older rather than younger. So understanding this profile for us at UNICEF, it was really helpful for us to think about how we might work this into our targeting. What we'll be doing next is comparing the knowledge that's come from the sector with our own UNICEF data. So what was the definition of a high net worth individual that we were looking at? There seemed to be some consensus already in the research that was done, which is that high net worth individuals have in, have a wealth in liquid assets of between one million and thir over 30 or over 30 million dollars in this instance, because we use some U.S. Um, case studies as well. Very high net worth individuals have between 5 million and 30 million and ultra high net worth individuals have over 30 million. There has been some growth in the number of individuals in this wealth bracket since 2009. So that's good news. In the UK, it's increased from 448,000 to 591,000 up to between 2009 and 2019. The UK has the fourth highest population of individuals in the top 1% globally. These individuals are more likely to live in London and the Southeast. However, the Northeast has seen the biggest and most consistent rise in total value of donations. There was a dominant ethnicity group, which was white and followed quite closely behind by Asian Indian ethnic households. Um, so that's something to consider. Men tend to have higher wealth than women, still working on that. And simply older people had more time to accumulate wealth, so they tended to be wealthier too. However, this was where the trend was bucked with wealthiest, the wealthiest families was more spread more evenly over the age distribution. And there were more women in that distribution as well with the absolute wealthiest. This is particularly the case with millennial women and they are showing more interest in taking more control of their own wealth. So cause area and giving decisions. 15 billion pounds was given to good causes between 2008 and 2017 by individuals, foundations and corporations that came from the major donor giving report 2017. It's a pretty significant number. The number of cause areas is increasing, for example, arts and culture. But what stood out is that education still dominates in a massive way. Wealthy households care about issues and they care about the strategies that organisations have. So they're going to ask questions about what your future strategy is. Now, a really in interesting finding that we found out of this research is that wealth in the UK is changing. In 1989, the Sunday Times Rich List showed that only 21% of those listed had self-made fortunes, 
By 2013, it was almost 80%. And that self-made generation of philanthropists view it differently and view their giving differently. They're more analytical, they require more evidence, and they want greater involvement and effectiveness. So this is really key when we then think about how that relates back to legacies, because it's less about giving out of a sense of duty or responsibility. Perhaps if you have money that's come from inheritance, you're more tied to what your ancestors gave money to than if you're self-made, where you have full reign of your decisions of how you want to give your money away. They are more generous. That's great news. Another really key factor is that they will seek advice. They might include their children in their decision making. They might want to pass, start to create that generational pass on of knowledge and information about how you give to charity. But they will seek advice from wealth advisors, from strategist advisors, from their lawyers um, and other facts. So you need to factor that in when you're making your plans and who you might need to have around the table when you have those conversations and what information they might want, they might need to have. Deciding who to support. So there are three considerations in particular for this area. Firstly, is the nature of the cause. Now, what's interesting about this is it might not be the need of what of the cause, but it might be their passion towards the cause. And that's something that's a different framing um, when you're building your case of support. The next consideration is those that they are connected to. So they are more likely to review and respond to a request that comes from a person or an organization that they know and respect. So if there is a connection that maybe your CEO or a trustee has to somebody, you can reach them through that way. Also, if there's a family connection that a charity that the family is already involved with, they're more likely to give. And the third consideration is transformational change. They want their gift to make a difference and you need to be able to show them how that is going to happen. This knowledge can help your charity and it's helping UNICEF's legacy giving approach to major donors and provide an understanding of the level involvement that they want and the information that they might require to make their decisions. We had a look at their motives and we looked at this a lot more when we got to the interview phase. First and foremost is their desire to make a difference and that's driven by their passion and often their personal experience as well. They are really cause focused and want to see a transformational difference. They want to choose a charity that they trust to tackle the, pro tackle the problems that are being faced and they want to see the impact that it's going to have. So in summary, it's important for charities going forward to encourage their supporters to focus on their net worth rather than purely their income. That's a key factor. They may consider themselves to be cash poor and asset rich, and they're not going to be able to access that money in the short term. As I mentioned, wealthy families are likely to consult advisors. So building relationships with those advisors is an important element to do. Wealthy families also often choose to create family foundations or private foundations and invest their money in that. So perhaps there's something to say about linking your philanthropy departments with your foundations departments as well.
And those foundations are likely to be long-standing across generations. So building relationships with the next generation, as well as the philanthropist you're working with, is important too. At UNICEF, we're looking at hybrid giving and whether this could be the future for our philanthropy. So encouraging donors when we approach them with a proposal for support now, with also a long-term ask in it. And um, so an immediate and a planned gift in an or an either or situation, rather than an either or situation. So I hope that's given you some good insights. And I'm sure if you want to come and talk to me about it, I'm more than happy to come to speak to you about this, this new area. Thanks. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Caroline, for uh, for sharing some of the insights there, because, uh, you know, I know this is all uh, very uh, new work and something that, uh, you know, you, you at UNICEF are doing a lot of work in. So uh, we really appreciate that uh, you're taking the uh, the time and being so generous, really, to, to share this with the, the wider sector. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome, Claire. And thanks so much for, for all that Legacy Voice have done as well, because we've learned so much uh, just through this journey of the last six months. Oh, fantastic. Well, uh, I'll put you on the spot to start off with. Uh -oh. <laughs> and please, uh, just a reminder to everybody, any questions on the, uh, this whole area of uh, uh, higher value legacy giving, do pop them into the, the chat. But uh, I'm going to indulge myself as room host and just ask you, uh, have you got a sort of um, favourite finding or something that kind of really resonated with, with you from this, this project? Yeah, I mean, there's a few things, um, but I think the standout one that I was pleased to hear about is uh, about motivations for high value supporters or high wealthy supporters and their legacy intentions. So hearing that actually they're quite similar to the mass audience or to other people that we're already talking to mm. was reassuring to know that we can we can use what some of what we already do and some of our strengths and and use that to talk to that audience as well. Um, the area that we um, need to get better at is is a bit more understanding around the tax issues and the and the other implications around that what having more money might mean um, so that was really valuable and I think um, helpful to know for the, for the whole sector as well so that they don't need to be scared to approach that you can talk to people as you normally would about their motivations mm. with just some hopefully some minor tweaks Brilliant. Um, I realise this is a slightly later question and we will go back and answer the, the earlier questions. But given that we're on the topic, um, yeah. David has asked in the chat, are there any differences in motivation for wealthy as opposed to uh, normal donors? So I think the biggest difference came through and, and Claire, I don't know if, if you would agree, but it was about them wanting to have a transformational difference mm. with their with their donation. They want to see more the impact Um that that it's going to that it's going to create. So we try and talk about impact anyway, but um, with smaller gifts, we might talk about the collective impact that the gifts can make together. So that community of impacts and the impact that might have. So yeah. for a for a wealthy donor who's going to give a substantial amount of money, they might want to talk about what transformational change that impact might have for themselves for for that gift. Yeah, yeah. So I think that was the major difference I, I think highlighted for me. Fantastic. Um, there, there was a question a little earlier about um, what happened in the interviews. Yeah. Um, so for UNICEF, a lot of the work around it actually came in the prep for the interviews before the interviews happened. So we needed to think about the questions that we wanted to answer. So UNICEF and Legacy Voice worked on those together, coming up with a good format. We used the desk-based research for the first phase of the project to help to form those questions. So we made sure that that was included, getting answer to some of that. 
then setting up the interviews. So we had interviews with experts, with fundraisers who are already doing it, and then with some of our donors as well. Um, so some of that was easy and some of that was more difficult. Some of that involved internal conversations and getting agreement from our philanthropy team to make approaches. And then the approaches to our mm -hmm. supporters happened in various different ways as well, depending on the existing relationship that was already there. And so once that had all gone through and people had said yes, they wanted to be um, interviewed, we handed them over to Legacy Voice, who did the actual interviews and delivered that. Um, so they would better be able to answer um, how that happened. But it was, from what I understand, mostly virtual. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, all virtual, I think. Um, all virtual, interviews. yeah. yeah. Um, and we followed that format of questions. It was quite free-flowing. So if something came up that diverted the conversation, that they'd, they'd take that route and find out. And that, mm -hmm. that brought about some interesting insights as well into how they were and into the, how those supporters were um, finding their relationship with UNICEF. So we got some good insights about the way that we work now and our stewardship now, which was equally valuable to us as UNICEF um, as to the findings about legacy as well. I hope that helps answer that question a bit. Fantastic. Um, there's also a couple of questions that have popped in um, about uh, hybrid giving generally. Can you tell people a little bit more about uh, what hybrid giving uh, means? Uh, and then uh, Louisa has also asked, have you found that hybrid giving has impacted short term giving? And I think perhaps uh, for you, that's probably a little bit early to, to be able it's to answer. But if there's anything you wanted to, to add on that one as well. So, yeah. Oh, and uh, yeah. Ben, sorry, it's just popped in as well. Jen is talking about blended gifts, which I think is a, is a similar is a similar so thing as well. So. My understanding is that, yeah. yeah, that blended gifts and hybrid gifts are, are similar, maybe very um, similar and what they might kind of do. But it's about asking. Um, in your uh, proposals when you're asking for funds that people might give now, you're including an element of the long term um, in that. So what a transformational gift might do in the future. So if you've got a supporter who's particularly keen on a particular project right now, you can talk about the longevity of that project and the impact that project's going to make over the long term and then what that might mean in funding terms and the length of time that might be. So it's starting to just stretch out that. So it's not going to be relevant for everybody but that's a way to start introduce it or it could start the other end which is something that we've started to do here at UNICEF already um, so starting to talk to those legacy supporters and say okay we've, you've made this amazing um, commitment in the long term but what about the here and now so we're starting to try and blend both ways not just about people who are giving now in the long term and that is helping us internally um, to avoid any scepticism or any worry about impacting on the short term. But it's definitely an approach that we hope will make a difference and prevent that people giving data. Um, but I think that, and it came through in the research as well, the findings are that people aren't tending to divert um, to give later rather than now. So mm -hmm. the blended giving is going to work really nicely as a way because you find that the people who make the legacy commitment are actually more committed in the here and now anyway. And we're already starting to see that. And if it's not people putting, um, giving us their direct donations, we're finding people opening their networks to us and enabling us to talk to people that they know. So we're already seeing a fantastic impact of just starting these conversations and having them now. Fantastic. Uh, obviously, once you've sort of recruited someone to um, sort of become a legacy donor, um, Lindsay has a good question at this point. How do you actually go about sort of stewarding potential high value legacy donors? 
this came up in the research quite loudly and clearly Mm -hmm. about that stewardship and the differences between maybe the high value stewardship that people get and the legacy stewardship that they might get um, and the importance of keeping a consistency with what people are used to. So if someone's used to the high value stewardship, it's really important that we maintain that and recognise that their gift that's coming in the long term, even if they're giving stops in the short in the here and now or in the short term or soon, we maintain that stewardship. That's something we haven't answered yet other than to be very hyper aware of it. Um, But it's something that we're looking to. As our team now sits within the philanthropy department at UNICEF, that's a bit easier for us to manage um, as we can we can make sure that that we're talking we're on the same page that we we can talk more easily about that. So so having a having an ear in that room with the philanthropy fundraisers is really helpful. But yeah, it's something to be really conscious of and very aware of. Thank you so much for listening to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not share it with a fundraising friend? And if you would like to give us a little like or subscribe, it really helps more fundraisers like you find us. Thank you so much. See you next time. Fundraising Everywhere podcast is kindly sponsored by our friends at Just Given. Now, one of the things that we love most about Just Given is that they believe that everyone deserves to be able to use the very best fundraising tech to raise more money. And that includes all charities, small and big, and anyone in the world that wants to make a difference for a cause they care about. And although they've been around for years, they're still as passionate as ever about creating cool new tech and are always releasing new features. Plus, the team's lush to work with and they really care about charities.